You know, guys, I, I have to apologize to both of you and to our listeners, listeners, because apparently I am very cynical today, and I didn't mean to be. I did not wake up this way. I thought I was in a better mood, but apparently I am not. So everybody who's listening, if you hung on till the end, I do apologize for being a cynical prick today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. Uh, I'm Nolan. Zach. Fellas, what's new? I feel like it's been a while since I've really seen either of you besides on a screen. How are you guys doing? I think we're, well, I don't know. I can say for myself that I'm hanging in there. Good. It's, it's the awkward back to school time, and we get to do it for two kids now. And so that's kind of weird that you, like, I think that's the official, like, uh, what happened to this year moment. So Zeke is officially in kindergarten, isn't he? Yeah. Wow. I'm catching up to you, old balls. Is, oh, that was low. <laughs> he just snuck that one right in there. I like it. <laughs> is he excited? Yeah, he is. He's really excited. So it's, good, uh, good. yeah, it's going to be fun. Nice. Nice. And Xander's going into what grade? Third. Uh, yeah, I think third. it's third because I think he just turned nine, right? So that should yeah. be about third. I don't know. I'm I'm completely out I, of touch. I'm fairly certain it's third. The last couple of years have been really weird, and I will say that as you know, uh, a male dad who's normally out of touch with that kind of stuff. Uh, COVID year was kind of a throwaway year, and then last year was such limited contact that only like one parent had to go, and it was never. I never got volunteered to go because. I think the year before I told the teachers, like, well, listen, if he acts up and you need me to come up here and beat him, I'm happy to do that. And <laughs> none of the teachers find that very funny, apparently. So I was not asked. I, I wonder why. <laughs> so after that, I was not invited back to parent-teacher conference. Yeah, the mandatory reporters might not find that very funny. Yeah. No, no, I don't think they enjoy hearing stuff like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I've been trying to get a haircut the last, I don't know, four or five days. And I just went to great clips trying to do their online check-in. I figure once it comes up, I'll leave work, run down there, get a haircut. Right. It has been to the point where like you would get a sign that says no longer accepting reservations or, you know, occupancy full or, and, or when I did was able to get it, it's like two hour wait. And I'm like, Holy shit. So yesterday we got up early and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to log myself in. And this is like, I don't know, 11 or so. At 5.15, I got notification that I was ready to get my hair cut. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then we went around to other barbershops in town because there's some locally owned ones to try to get it to try to sneak in. And we were able to get Aiden in. But it was like and that was at uh, the, the Black Sheep, I think is what it's called down on Main Street. <laughs> Only one. I mean, he was like, I can do one of you. That's it. And I mean, everybody is just packed. And I didn't even think about back to school because at this point I have no children in school anymore. So I'm just like, why is everybody so busy? And it's back to school shit. I was going to say, yeah, I, I was trying to get the boys in for great clips and that kind of stuff. And uh, finally we're able to after a couple of weeks and for same reason there, not only everybody trying to do stuff, but I guess that industry is severely understaffed right now. So, yep. Yep, they had two people in there at Great Clips, and both of them had done 25-plus haircuts that day. I mean, I wouldn't risk it. Right? You're, I mean, and it's interesting because, like, their website said mask required. So I went in with my mask on, trying to be respectful, and I, mm -hmm. I sit down, and she's like, and I'm looking around like, I'm like, oh, I'm the only person wearing a mask here, including the stylist. And I sit down, and, and she's like, I will happily put on a mask if you would like me to. And I'm thinking, no. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is anymore. I don't know if I should be like, yeah, motherfucker, mask up. Um, or 
it's such a weird situation we're in, you know, it really is, especially with the Delta variant surging. And I'm just like, I fucking lost. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, our cases, our cases doubled Saturday. We went from 20 yeah. cases to 40. Yep. Yep. Which is exactly why I chose not to do Newsies, the gala this year. I chose not mm-hmm. to do it. I'm like, you know what? We had a terrible end of into the woods. I don't want to go through that again. Um, I will sit this one out. Yeah, they've been hounding me, but I'm not going to do it. Zach, how about you? How's your week been? Well, I don't have kids to send back to school, so okay. uh, that may Deal. I didn't even I didn't even know that uh, that was happening yet. Yeah, things have been good. Library's picking back up. Good. Things good. seem to be going well. Good. It's hot out there. There's some kind of concert going on at this young hour because I can hear it go, like coming from the college from my apartment. Oh, uh, so oh, I think I did know that. I think it's the, is it the uh, it's either jazz band or the conversations band? Something. Yeah, I, I don't know, because my friend Beck Bridger is involved with that. And I, I think it's one of those two. And I'm not sure which one. I'm pretty sure it's too low for my mic to pick it up. But I keep hearing like a burr and I'm like. Uh, probably jazz. Somebody playing that jazz mm. trumpet. The college but has a fantastic jazz band. I mean, they are just amazing. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Richards does a really good job up there. Anyway, um, <laughs> so there really isn't a whole lot of news today, fellas. So that just means we get to editorialize on all the news that is the news. <laughs> so we are going to jump into this, starting with uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So we have nothing official from Watsy this week uh, when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, but we do have some news-ish to discuss. First, yesterday, Nolan, you sent me a screenshot of Brian R. James's Twitter feed in which he tweeted that he's doing some research for his first D&D book in a decade. The picture included uh, in the tweet were images of the Starlight Enclave, which is the new Dritz book from R.A. Salvatore, and what I believe to be Menzo Berenzon. Is that from like Baldur's Gate or something? Is that one of the online games? I I did not recognize it, but it does it does look like the Neverwinter game, as far as a okay. art style. And I think that's Menzo Berenson. I'm not positive. Did you happen to look up who Brian James is, Nolan? I did. Yeah. So just to try to figure out what he well, I had never heard of him. I hadn't either, as far as name goes. But seeing some of his involvement and how he was one of the first people to work on the Underdark, as far as a campaign setting and that there. So I guess I mean I'm. I'm assuming that's more or so what he was known for, and that's very well could not be true. <laughs> but seeing him dive back into it kind of raised some questions. And I think the only reason it raised questions for it was, is, you know, of course, you see the book, you see that kind of stuff, if, if that's where we're heading to next. And then his hashtag was Exodus. And I was like, okay, is that a game? So apparently there is a game called Exodus, and it was made for Fallout to be an RPG. And they couldn't get the licensing, so they just made their own thing. But then also kind of the... Uh, storyline wise spoilers if you haven't read the books or if you're going to i apologize the drow are stepping away from their faith in loth and realizing that they they went into the underdark for religious freedoms to believe in what they believed in they were like pilgrims and like the little tiny seed of doubt and chaos crept in and over a millennia times two it became what it was and 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 basically they realized like they used to be druids they used to be nature worshiping you know and they went there to be free and so now you're i don't know if you call it a civil war or again an exodus of menzo baranzin moving to the surface uh, setting up the next generation but it was kind of one of those things of 
didn't we just get a thing that said that they don't interact as far as books and story? But again, I guess if that's the direction of the world, you know, said, hey, we're going this way. We don't care what you write about, but this is where we're going if you want to be a part of it, maybe. But I thought it was interesting. It made me kind of curious to see. I don't know. That could be a pretty epic, you know, do, do we see the avatar of Loth like we did with Tiamat as far as, a, you know, a final boss or something like that? So. That could be interesting. Zach, what are your thoughts? I'm really not sure. Um, I know that uh, this guy, uh, it sounds like he got his his career started when he just made a website that consolidated all the lore of the Forgotten Realms in like one location. So he basically made a Wikipedia site just for the Forgotten Realms. And that would his be a huge site. Yeah. And his big break, I guess, was, uh, yeah, a fourth edition like adventure setting for the underdark like specifically the drow place like if you're gonna get a guy to make something for the underdark this guy's already done it and he won awards for it i mean he got the i mean yeah it was very well done so yeah and it sounds like he has been working in video games for you know the past uh four or five years so it also be like he just hasn't had time to be a part of dungeons and dragons so i think i read he's also a podcaster is he? Okay. So, I, think I, I think that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, this guy's done a ton of books about the Underdark, about Menzo Berenzon in particular, which it's interesting because I think back to AD&D 2nd Edition and there was a box set of Menzo Berenzon. And I don't, I, I mean, he wasn't involved in that because that's, you know, long, long time ago as no one likes to yeah. point out. But it is good to see that they are, you know, pulling people who have that history, if you will. And when we talk about, and I, you know, Nolan and I kind of, briefly chatted yesterday about you know chris perkins announcement that the books are not canon yet here we see them kind of appearing anyway to be running you know <laughs> parallel of each other i do think that the 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 um oh my gosh did i just starlight enclave is that what it's called right and we know that there's they found basically another group of drow who don't live underground isn't that correct it, like they're peace loving druid hippie well elves. and i think the uh what the other drow deity is the moon goddess and so that's right. yeah dance on the surface under the moonlight i mean still all about darkness and shadows but for different reasons i mean that's just their time of worship so we haven't seen it we've always i mean it's always been there it's not like they're inventing new stuff there was always an option we just are actually going to get to see it and I'm, I'm curious from a book standpoint um, of what that looks like, just because, again, spoiler wise, you know, Driss and Caterbury have a half drow child, right? And trying to find a safe place to raise a kid, you know, of so that she can understand her people. And also, I think it'll be interesting to see from a, a book standpoint, Dritz and Zach Nafine, who grew up in, you know, the cult of Loth as a male going to the surface and seeing all of them just being happy, you know, like I... I can't imagine more of be like, well, we really got the short end of the stick, right? Like this is, this is a bullshit. Like my entire 200 year existence has been hell because I was born, you know? And so I, I think there'll be a lot of interesting, I don't know. I'll, I'll be curious to see like how uh, there's a lot of cool angles, right? Would you be angry? Would you be happy? Is there going to be some sort of weird dominance there? Do you know the females still run the thing? Do they run? I'm just curious to know more about the lore of, of what it was. So. I don't know. It's it's cool. I, I think that it's a good selling point too. Um, again, Dritz sells, right? So that's a, a good, 
you know, we are year of the Dritz now. I, I don't know when this one would be coming out, but if they're starting to write it, I imagine we're a year or two out. So, right. And Starlight mm-hmm. Enclave, I did not realize that Starlight Enclave is already available. Oh, is it? I know it was on for pre-order. I thought it was September for some reason, but. Yep. Delivered instantly with Kindle, twenty two forty nine on hardcover on Amazon or zero if you have Audible. So it is available. Okay. Oh, August 3rd. Yep. Yep. August so it 3rd. just came out. Uh, that's book one of the Way of the Drow series. So, and I'd imagine Salvatore's probably got books two and three and however many more, like either mostly written or, or written, you know. I know they release one a year for him. Um, and at any given mm-hmm. time, he has the trilogy done. So, right, right. Well, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think, you know, having an actual source book of Menzo Berenson or even of the draw themselves would be fantastic. You know, there's been Kickstarters of, of you know, independent people doing draw stuff for 5e using the OGL. So it'll be a nice to see something from Wizards. It's, you know, official, in this case, canon for the draw and for the changes that they're making. It, and, and again, yeah. it could be a really cool, I mean, that's going to be... I mean, realistically, that's going to be a mess, right? You're going to have a literal holy war in the Underdark. Um, I don't, you know, that could be an interesting campaign setting. We've dabbled with it when they had the the demons rolling up and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, I, that could be a really, a really neat campaign story to get involved in as a player being like, not even necessarily the hero, just being stuck in the middle of civil war, right? From the surface, you know, so we've seen them in these books. We've seen them in video games. Usually it's kind of a small group of adventurers stumbling down a path that inadvertently saved the world, right? Like it's not, I mean, we every, I think the, uh, depending on how you played Cholt, right? It was starting to impact the world larger, mm-hmm. but for the most part, everything else has been kind of we cut it off before it got out of control type mentality. So and with hashtag Exodus, it does make me feel like we're going to see some of those drow who always questioned Loth secretly. I think maybe that's what it means. Or is it going to be an Exodus of the Icewind Dale? Of, yeah. you know, maybe it's Dritz Exodus of Icewind Dale to the Starlight Enclave. Who knows? But I do think we're going to see some interesting stuff coming from this. And I would not be surprised if we see it in the next year or so. Well, like you said, and having the expert do it. I mean, or a, yeah. a high regarded yeah. expert, a lore master. Um, Dude, who's been doing it for a long time. I think now's the time. I think it's better to, I mean, people have been complaining about, and I don't think it was intentional, but like the racist parallels that you kind of run into when you start getting into drought. I think now is the time to just be like, <laughs> it's such a strange thing that we live in a current time where it's more acceptable to be like, no, 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 no. It's not a race thing it's a religious holy war thing. And it was this whole time for people to just be like, Oh, okay. Yeah, man, that makes sense. That's much they're, better. They're a crazy cult. Yeah. Yep. It makes more sense now uh, or better sense now. Well, and like yeah. you said, that's, that's all we've known and who knows what the other religions are to the East. I'm like, Oh, whoa, whoa, you guys went way too. We don't talk to the cousins down South. Right. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, like, no, like, no, no, no. Okay. No. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Methodist, but I'm not like a Southern Baptist Methodist, right? Like, right, right. I'm not one of those crazy people where like all pleasure is sin. You get some person in like worships Loth and they're like, dude, we're from, we're from like the East Coast, man. Like, we don't, we don't really do that. We don't talk about the soul eating thing, right? That's something that they did in the old days. Oh, yeah. yeah you guys are, you guys are Old Testament. I got you. Okay. Yeah. This is like Old yeah, Testament. Yeah, exactly. 
Oh, that's really? awesome. I like that. I'm East Coast Drow. Sorry, guys. East Coast Drow. We're going to get like, bad. okay, look, there's some mistranslations in this holy book where she talks about like how men are inferior, right? It's more. It's, it's well, you like actually men. turn people into deriders? Like, no, that's like, a, that's a story to scare kids to like clean their room. Like, yeah, dude, <laughs> like, we, like we're not doing that anymore. Like, we what understand. What the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> we understand why they did that 3,000 years ago, but like, that was a completely different time. Like, we don't do that anymore. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I think well, that's just like your opinion, man. Like, you're going yeah, right. to be the drag. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think now's the time to pivot away from stuff like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. R.A. Salvatore had a, a whole interview where he talked about kind of what he he his self expressed like mistakes. And he even said, he's like, look, I'm not going to change these things. I can't go back and change them because like like an old Looney Tunes cartoon, this is what I thought at the time, even if I know it's wrong now. And if I even if I inadvertently was using racist tropes. Right. And I think that's important. Like, I think back to like in my own personal life, right? Um, we talk about these things quite a bit with with our boys. So growing up, I grew up with the idea of the Confederate battle flag was like the cool thing to have. Right. It was and I never I truly never once thought it that it was a racist thing or anything like that. It was just something cool. I thought, oh, wow, this is like representing rebels and blah, 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 blah. And I think this is like a two year span of my life where I had it hanging in my Dukes of Hazard, Right. Right. Exactly. I never never thought anything of it today. I'm like, wow, I honestly can't believe that I used to think that way. And how dare me for, you know, truly, I'm, I'm embarrassed to even say that. But by the same token, I have to admit that I was that way, that I did have that, you know, hanging up because it is part of who I am. Was I a racist? Absolutely not. Am I a racist today? Hell no. I firmly believe that everybody should be treated with kindness and respect. Everybody, no matter what. And I do not think that the Confederate battle flag has a place on any freaking government institution or anything like that. It has no business being there and frankly had no business being in my bedroom, but I can't change it. It is who I am. Right. Well, I think we all go through that phase, right? I think we're or not that phase. That, that's a weird word to say, but I think it's uh, a weird word to say <laughs> uh, a time period of un understanding, right? Uh, my generation, you know, the nineties, early two thousands, uh, it was not uncommon to call somebody gay. Right. And, and just yeah. like, dude, stop being gay, you know, or whatever. And it, it, it never meant it was it was just a, a thing of, you know, I I don't know. I don't think it held anything other than it was the very worst term that you could probably use for that time period. But you just didn't. It was just what everybody said, you know, that's stupid. Or I think even retarded. Right. You know, I think everybody went through that phase as well where dude, stop being a retard, you know, and you're like, that means so much more as you become older or again that level of understanding. I don't know what the kids are doing now. Right. I don't, I don't know what, what the term is. I'm sure there's something that they're going to look back on that time period, but I think we all go through those phases and again, own it up to them. So yeah, it was, it wasn't a different time. I just was uneducated and that's, yeah, that's okay. I don't do it anymore. And then you go with it. So anyway, yeah, that's, yeah. I think the, the, the racism side of things, I, I, same thing. I, I think I never saw it. I never understood it because they were monsters. Right. It, it was, you know, orcs versus humans for Warcraft. It wasn't a race thing. It was two different sides of the coin and they were just fighting because they're, they're not, they're not real. Right. That I, I don't yeah. know how you can have a, you know, a hyper race thing when they're not real. And then you see like what they're based upon and how they were written. You're like, Oh yeah, I can see the parallels. Yeah. That, okay. Let's maybe not do that anymore. So. Okay. Right. Right. And I, 
And I think the difference, at least for Dungeons and Dragons, is that there's a difference between writing like a fantasy novel and where there's racial tensions between two fictional things. Like, I do think that's completely different. But when you depict some of those racists, those races with like racist tropes from our, like from the real world, that's when things start to get a little like, you get into like kind of a gray area. Like, I know J.R.R. Tolkien didn't intend for any like real world races to be depicted, but the depiction of orcs are the depictions of like step nomad people who would come in and destroy Europe every now and then. Like, and I don't think he intended to, but it does kind of bring like a little bit of that into there. And it's not one of those things that we have to like get rid of or smash. We just have to be aware of it that well, the orcs in your stuff. world don't have to be like the orcs from. My my thought is, and I think this is again, this is kind of my Eberron tangent. Right, the gods are really busy, so they do their own thing. And the guy who wrote Eberron was like, "Well, if your deity can show up and just be like, no." That's that's not it. Stop <laughs> having your holy war. Like you know, Jesus shows up and shuts down Jerusalem. We're like you guys, enough. All right, you can't have those kind of conflicts. And with like orcs, like they were made by an evil god. For it's like Scarglands, right? Like the redeemed, they gave them an opportunity. But you, you were made for this purpose. There is no like, we're not depicting them all as evil for the sake of like we don't like them because of their race. It was like you were made for war. That's all you know. Like that's it's it's a big deal when something steps out from that. So I never, I don't know. It was just one of those things. Like, well, yeah, they don't. It's not a choice. That's just they eat, beat, and steal, right? Like that's that's yeah, that's what they were created for. And so I think having the gods in the game and being like, well, this is why you were made, and it really took away a lot of the free will. And now we're starting to open up free will and that mm-hmm. changes stuff. I would completely agree. It's interesting. I didn't think we'd ever go down this topic, but <laughs> I do think it's fascinating that you know, we we can look back on these things that we may have done in our in our past and be like, wow, I was so wrong. I was so uneducated. I was so ignorant to what I was doing and and potentially the hurt that it may have caused. And it's it's kind of yeah. sad, you know, when we think about those things and like I hate to think that I may have caused anybody some un uncomfortableness or or upset them or insulted them in any way right because that was never my intent but if it happened and it happened the most i could say is i'm sorry thankfully it was just in my bedroom and not like proudly displayed on my fucking truck like a dumbass sorry my little rant there and nothing frustrates me more than seeing that shit flown on the back of somebody's pickup truck yeah yeah i think i don't know I think it took the internet for people to really be exposed to how bad the Confederate flag really was. Because the lost cause narrative took hold in this nation pretty early. It did. Absolutely. And that's that was my thought, too. You know, rebel lost cause, like the rebel without a clue or without a cause kind of thing. That was my whole thing with it. But, yeah. you know, when you read, like if you read about or hell, read the articles of Confederacy. How many times mm-hmm. is slavery freaking mentioned? Over and over. I mean, there is no the prim- doubt. There's no doubt. It is the primary cause exactly. of their rebellion. Yeah, exactly. And and like I know when I was going through school, when I was going through history class, obviously they lightly touched on slavery, but it was always about states rights. Hell, my mom had a friend who was proud to be from Georgia and she would talk all the time about how the Civil War there's was about states rights bull yeah. fucking shit it was your state's rights to have fucking slaves that's all there is to yeah. it the confederacy wanted slaves they didn't want it to go away 
And so I, I get sick and oh, wow, we're really going on a rant here, guys. But I get sick and fucking okay. tired when I hear people talk about, you know, the Confederacy and how you're hiding our history or whatever. Fuck you. That nation lost. They lost. They lost that goddamn war. Uh, and, and as far as I'm concerned, saying that those monuments and, and if I'm offending our, our listeners by saying this kind of stuff, frankly, I, I don't care. I really don't because I don't have any room for that shit in my life and nobody else should either because it is all about hate. That's all there is to it. And those monuments were put up in the 60s during the civil rights movement to insult black people. That was the whole freaking point of it. Get them gone. They have no fucking business in our history. Holy shit. Sorry, I went way too far. No, it's it's a it's a valid point. I mean, you could have picked any language to speak in, but you chose facts. Just oh uh, yeah, this we've mm. <laughs> yeah I think and and again I think we touch on that of the, there's no excuse not to be uneducated anymore like you said with the development of internet take 12 seconds do a Google search see what your representative make sure that is you if it is then be you stay away from me but be you but make sure you're doing it like again there's just no longer any excuse not to be uneducated about anything at this point when it comes to race or right. or or sexual preference or religious backgrounds or at this point understand what you're talking about before you speak because it's way too easy to spend 15 seconds google it make sure that's what you want to be representative as and then and then do it i mean at that point make your choice but make sure you know make sure it's you because it may not be like you said you can you can say stuff you can say well that's gay and not knowing who's around you, you could hurt somebody. And you may cause somebody to, you know, I don't know, you make somebody feel something they don't need to feel because you didn't right. mean it that way. But again, just because you didn't mean it that way doesn't mean that it's an excuse. So educate yourself. Make sure you believe what you believe and be open to being wrong. That's okay. If you don't oh, yes. know, you don't know, right? And now you know and you don't do it again. And maybe you owe somebody an apology or say, hey, listen, I, I did a little bit of, you know, soul search or whatever. It's, oh, it's okay to come back from, so. Anyway, I agree. Yeah, I'm going to stop before I go too far because I could ramble. I Because I get pretty worked up over this stuff. Speaking of Beatles and Grimm. <laughs> yes, let's talk about Beatles and Grimm. Uh, Beatles and Grimm have announced a partnership with Darrington Press to bring us the Talderai campaign setting Reborn. As is the case with all Beatles and Grimm products, this set will be packed full of all sorts of goodies, including the Talderai campaign setting Reborn book which is broken into different books. Uh, they are going to split up the player section and the DM section. Uh, the Gazetteer, uh, the Gazetteer. Wow. Am I saying that correctly, Zach? Gazetteer. I think I am. GM's I version. It's, it's version. a made up word. <laughs> uh, new character options, including subclasses, backgrounds and feats, new magic items, including the vestiges of divergence, allies and adversaries of Taldorai, battle maps, area maps, custom GM screams, encounter cards, jewelry, bonus encounters, in-world handouts, um, and then it goes on from there to add other things. For those of you who don't know, which I'd be very surprised if people don't know this, <laughs> Taldry, of course, is the campaign setting of Critical Role. So for them to be partnered with Beatles and Grimm to create this, that is putting out a very interesting non-official D&D product to Beatles and Grimm. This will be broken down into five different tiers, starting at $70 for just the map vault, which is all the battle maps set in Taldry. And going as high as $349 for the Exalted tier. Zach, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on products like this? I um it took me I I was pretty confused at the start because I thought this was like the guide to Westmount or whatever the like fifth edition source book was called. 
But I think, I guess this is like the one that Matthew Mercer and a few other people whose names I don't remember, and I apologize to them, wrote and put out with a third-party publisher, I think in like 2015, like a long, like a while ago. Yep. Like, I think the older version. I think the, like, they were still in the middle of campaign one when they did this. Um, I've looked through it because I think, Nolan, you have one, right? Yeah, I think both uh, Patrick and I have one. I have it, like, too. I'm, like, I flipped through it, but I flipped through it before I had watched a single episode of Critical Role, and I haven't watched that much of Critical Role, so I didn't know. I I think it all kind of went over my head, but that's the one that Beatles and Grimm is going with. I've been trying to find information on how Beatles and Grimm's, like, functions as a company. It just seemed like... It sounds like they are like third party who license the ability to make big old box sets of stuff. Yes. Uh, Beatles and Grimm is uh, Matthew Lillard's company. Yeah. yeah. I was looking at a little bit about this here uh, and I'll be curious to see what they do because it says uh, if you have the first one, um, this one adds, it doubles the count page at 280. So I don't know if maybe they're combining both books. Um, and like you said, they were writing or this came out kind of mid campaign towards the end. Um, so this kind of, this has the conclusion to it and kind of the aftermath. So you can pick up the pieces and run the world. If you yeah. want to run a post Fox Machina campaign, if I I'm like, not, if I'm not mistaken, Nolan, they actually, instead of adding to from it, from Wildmount, Matthew Mercer was actually able to add on more to the book that he wanted to add originally. Mm. Yeah. I, th I think it's one of those things of, again, season one season two and it, and it, it's gone so large that i think he's just been able to just keep going and so i, I think it's really cool um i i was gonna say as far as stuff goes in it uh just a few of the, like the it you can also get it through darrington press which is critical roles uh side of mm -hmm. things as far as the book itself not necessarily the the stuff with all the stuff um the art for it is really cool i've really enjoyed that one there the uh, James Heck was a D and D Beyond writer, uh, so that's why his name should show up. He helping with that one there. Mm -hmm. Hannah Rose also is working on worked on Theros, I believe, um, and the new Witchlight book as well that's as cool. uh, Wild Mount. So bringing in those people that are familiar with it, and I think those people. I don't know if Hannah has. I know James has been around their show, um, and so I think okay. that's one of the things I've continued to see. Like Matthew Lillard plays, and and so maybe those are those kind of connections. You know if. Uh, yeah. Uh, did he guess? Did he guess star? I don't remember. Did he play on one? I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he did. Mm -hmm. it, it, he. It, I. I think so. I know that they've done some stuff together, and I think at this point too, like I don't know. I th they must do a good job with it, right? I mean, otherwise somebody would pull the license a while ago. Um, they continue to put out product. I saw mm -hmm. that they have like some witch light stuff coming out. Uh, this coming out. So I. Yeah. I, that was I, interesting. I'm not. I guess my big question is like I had assumed with the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. I had kind of assumed that Wizards of the Coast was going to come in and be like, and I would understand if Critical Role would not want this to happen, but I figured that Wizard would put a lot more money into Critical Role given its popularity and how large of an audience they've kind of cultivated over the years i mean and it very well could be uh, on a minor side because i know they've brought in like water deep a lot of the character design and stuff like that for the npcs they brought in matt mercer yeah to give like, them a voice and how they would act and that kind of stuff so maybe you know 
maybe it's not all corporate greed and maybe they're just friends doing shit. I, you know, maybe I just can't believe that Wizard of the Coast hasn't been like, hey, man, tell you what, we're just going to buy all your cameras and all your voice equipment, right? That'll be our investment, but just like invest in them somehow and stop stop letting other people release books for Critical Role when Wizards of the Coast could release these books and... I've, I just figured that Wizards of the Coast would have tried to get uh, more of a hand on it, and I thought that's what we were seeing with Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. But I also can see why a bunch of voice actors who are making a labor of love might not want to have Hasbro <laughs> with their fingers like around their neck. So uh, and I think when, when you talk about Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, I mean, here's a chance for Matt to have his name on an official D&D book, right? And, and mm-hmm. I, I can't remember. I think there were some of the other cast who helped to who contributed to it as well, or at least are mentioned in the book in some way. Um, so they have a chance to be on that book. But if you if you talk about the expense that that Critical Role has has uh, incurred by continuing to host their show because they have top notch cameras, they have top notch mics. You know, they're they have a set. It, they have. I mean, it's a, a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why? Why would you want to? Because here they have all this free advertisement for their product that is pushing their product. Because you can't play in Critical Role setting without having the D and D stuff. Why would you? Why would you invest in it? Fuck it. It's free advertisement. Go for it. I guess that's true. And and even the Beatles and Grimm stuff, because the Beatles and Grimm stuff is not it is not technically Watsy stuff, right? This it's is third, stuff, yes, it is they are licensee. Right. So they're able to get these things and create, you know, these products. It's I I can't remember which one it was that Cody bought, but Cody has purchased one of these Beatles and Grimm sets. And I remember he brought it over and he showed it to us. It was one of the it might have been Saltmarsh. I can't remember. That um, sounds right. Yeah, but looking because and I actually went I'm on the Beatles Grimm website right now looking to see what they have. And the one that he bought is no longer on here. So they clearly sell out of their products. In fact, they don't go back very far. I think Curse of Strahd, and that's only because it's been re-released. Uh, so they have the legendary edition of Curse of Strahd on here. Uh, that's the that's like the farthest back it goes. And then it's it's Von Richten's, it's Icewind Dale, it's Witchlight, it's stuff like that. And, and I checked, like, I clicked on boxed editions just to see if there was more, and, and there's not. They they don't, and, and I know they've been putting out stuff for longer than that. Um, they are apparently yeah. highly sought after. Yeah, it uh, seems like it. And I think they, they only do so many, and that's probably it. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember what it was, the original Curse of Strahd. I think it was something like a 1,000 um, because it was the first one. They didn't know if it was going to go, and it sold out almost instantly. And they're like, oh. Okay, so I don't know how many they make now, um, but yeah, definitely uh, seems to empty the shelves. It does, but it carries a hell of a price tag. I mean, I, I think about like, and I remember you know chatting with Cody about this too, because Cody's thought was, well, if we everybody at the table pitches in to buy it, we can all play it together. And while that's fun and, and, and an interesting idea, my thought was, well, then who gets to keep it? Are we going to share custody of the product? Because it's a $500 product that i just invested everyone has to pitch in 50 dollars. yeah exactly so and and what at our table there's six of us and now we're talking close to a hundred dollars a piece just to play the game 
sorry, I'm not into that. I'm not well, I think do some it. of that stuff is tough too, um, depending on how you play the games. You know, if you went out and you spent $175 on Rhyme of the Frostmaiden and everybody at your table hates it, that's a that's a huge commitment, right? That's a big thing. So you just don't know. Um, but if your table is a group of people of, guess what? I've got Waterdeep and we're going to go into Mad Mage and we're probably going to be here for two to three years because we're going to play through this thing. And my table is, they're the achievement guys on Xbox. They're, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be every nook and cranny of this place explored because they're dungeon delving sociopaths, right? I mean, they just got the the dust and the chalk and all that stuff, you know? So I, I think know your table, some of that stuff, I, the, I don't know. I, I, I want to, I want to hold one, right? I want to see one. Cause I, I gotta know, like, I think some of the stuff that they do as far as like breaking out the books, we've had that conversation multiple times of you get this and you read it and it's hard to digest and it jumps around and it does all this stuff. If you could be like, you know, you grab an adventure league, you study the adventure league and you play that for the week. It's pretty easy to know it, have it resource it without having to flip through 280 pages to try and find what's next. Where does the story go? How's this breakdown? I just, you know, that the flow of this isn't connecting for me or whatever, you know, so I think that happens a lot with these books. So I don't know. I'm curious. I definitely curious. It is a, it is a, you better know what you're buying. Um, and you better really like the source that it's in. Like if you are a Feywild lover and that is your jam and you know, whatever, then yeah, I, I think you could get some enjoyment out of it and, and have some really cool stuff for it. I'm not super sold on, um, you know, the witch light thing personally. Like when I heard the campaign and stuff like that, it's like, okay, you can do this entire thing without combat. That's kind of important to me. I'm probably going to avoid it. Doesn't mean I wouldn't want to take it, pull it, use it and adjust, but I'm not going to spend 175 or $500 on it. That's just a personal preference. So, right. Conversely, yeah. if Beatles and Grimm would like to send us a product so we can review it on our show, we'd be happy to look at it. You can email me at pcostle at gmail.com. We'll give you all the details. So, yeah, yeah. that product is I'm, out there. Like I said, it has a, what I say, $399 or $349 price. $349, $350 price tag for the Exalted tier. Zach, I cut you off. Go ahead. I'm going to wonder how many people will buy this without ever intending to play it. I think um, you're exactly right. I think this is we, one of those things that you buy and you put on your shelf and, and that's yeah. where it stays. People buy to collect things. No judgment. People will buy this not because they even play Dungeons and Dragons, but because they want the critical role information because they love critical role. Oh, I have uh, what is it the the One Ring campaign for the last edition just so I could read the lore for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to play it, but they did such a good job yeah. with the lore and that time period. It's like I just want to know what's up because I read the appendices like before yeah. I read the book. You know, like. I, I I'm I I like that stuff. So yeah, I can totally see that. And yeah, and it's not a judgment, but like, if you love this kind of stuff, if you love Critical Role, five hundred bucks—that's not much. Yeah, and like and if you, do it. I'm gonna spend five hundred dollars on a PlayStation Five so I can play a new God of War game. Like, that's not any different. No, you're not, because you can't get a PlayStation Five. Well, there's always that. <laughs> wow. Did you just see that? Zach immediately went. Ugh. Also, <laughs> I don't about deflated. Also, I don't need one. That was awesome. Yeah. I'll just keep playing. I'll just keep playing games on my laptop until I can finally get one. There you uh, go. I was going to say, I did see uh, Godfall come out. New generation, new system. They actually reverse compatibility to, to PlayStation 4. They, they reverse nobody can get a PlayStation 5. Yeah. yeah. Which I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. is that going to be the new thing? 
So anyway. Yeah. I mean, also, it's like you know, if the engine works on PlayStation Five, like how hard is it just to remove shadows and to remove lighting and be like, well, I guess it runs. Yep. I'm certain it's incredibly hard to any <laughs> to any programmer out there. I'm sure that's very difficult. Yeah. Oh well, I don't I, like. I know five hundred dollars is too much for a book for me, but I understand that people have dis- the disposable income. The economy runs when you spend money that you don't need. Like, I know it's a lot of money, but also I think it's it's probably going to be worth it for some people. Sure, sure. Not Maybe not for us, because I don't want to play in Critical Role Land. But someone well, out there is going to have a lot of fun. You mentioned the new PS5, so I'm like, oh, I wonder how much, I'm just because I'm curious, I wonder how much the new Xbox is. $870 fucking dollars. Holy shit. Scalper, Jan. Yeah, I was gonna say they have programs running. So the moment Best Buy opens it up and sells it for four or five hundred bucks, they instantly buy sixty of them and throw them up and sell them for eight fifty. And this is at mm-hmm. Walmart, eight seventy. Yeah. My goodness, Climbing I in. will will not be buying an Xbox anytime soon. So anyway, yeah. All right, so let's jump off to some other game companies. Onyx Path, there wasn't a whole lot there. Squeaks in the Deep is at 200% funded, which is great. Otherwise, I really didn't see a whole lot else. Are any of you familiar with the gaming company Flying Buffalo? No, I am not. I am not either. I was doing some research. Well, good. I'm glad you did. This comes to us from our friend Mary. Uh, She sent me this earlier this week. Uh, So Flying Buffalo has been producing board games and RPGs since 1972. They're best known for Tunnel and Trolls uh, RPG and the Nuclear War card game. So I'm just going to read from the press release because they have recently sold to Webbed Sphere Inc. Webbed Sphere Inc. announced today that it finalized acquisition of pioneering award-winning game publisher Flying Buffalo Inc., best known for Tunnels and Trolls role-playing game and best-selling Nuclear War card game series. The deal was finalized July 31st with the estate of Flying Buffalo founder Richard Loomis. Loomis created the play-by-mail game Nuclear Destruction in 1970 and founded Flying Buffalo with Steve McGregor in 1972. The company initially focused on running play-by-mail games and later became well-known for publishing the second-ever role-playing game Tunnels and Trolls. Originally designed by Ken St. Andre, starting in 1975, the Scottsdale, Arizona company is currently the oldest active publisher of pen and paper role-playing games in existence. Of WebSphere Inc., because this is not a company I'd heard of either, uh, WebSphere Inc. is a management and holding company for numerous ventures, including online retailer Troll and Toad, which I used to buy magic cards from them all the time. Home decor brands Darware, Decore, and Old Home Game and Toy Publisher Toy Vault, which I've heard of, Jigsaw Puzzle Manufacturer Chizo, uh, probably saying that wrong. Its array of companies also specialized in property acquisition and development, business and consumer fulfillment services, liquidation outlets, and hobbyist gardening supplies. Gardening supplies, interesting. So yeah, that that was just announced on August fourth of twenty twenty one. Zach, you said you've done some looking into Flying Buffalo. Yeah, um, that was pretty much. Pretty much covered it. Yeah. My big question going into this is that did when they purchased this, did they intend to do something with it? Because not knowing anything about it, sometimes people buy something and then they just sit there on it because it's better. Like sometimes, you know, if Hasbro is going to buy like a toy, they don't that they might not start producing that toy. Like they don't need to, they still have transformers. So they just right. bought it 
so that people could no longer get it. Right. That's a better investment because that's a that's a great investment, man. If a company is going to take like so much of your profits and you can spend a little bit more than that to just buy them out. You're good. Right. Just do it. So if Hasbro but, bought GoBots, so you wouldn't be able to buy those anymore and you have to buy Transformers. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Like, you know, right. it's the do world of business. Of you, do either of you know what GoBots are? I do actually. Oh, thank God. I've heard of it. Yep. Yeah. So Whew. just, uh, just one of those things. But as I got into it, I don't think you buy something that was last created or the last edition was from 2012, eighth edition. I don't think you buy something that old to not use. Right. I was going to say the, uh, the setting description of tunnels and trolls, I would have probably been like, this is something we should probably check out. Well, there's still time. The, the fifth edition tunnels and troll core rule set does not detail the specific settings, saying only that the gameplay occurs in a world somewhat, but not exactly similar to Tolkien's Middle Earth. In an interview in 1986, Ken St. Andrews said that my conception of TNT world was based on Lord of the Rings, as it would have been done by Marvel Comics in 1974 with Conan, Elric, and Grey Mouser, and a host of bad guys thrown in. Nice. Well, maybe we should be looking at this game. <laughs> Is it Marvel meets Middle Earth. I'm down. I'm, uh, me too. So yeah, there I mean, is a link. Go ahead, Zach. I think some of the adventures were single player. Okay. When that was not like, I still don't think that's really a thing. And they have a, a, quite a few. I mean, yeah, pocket solo adventures, GM adventures, solo mm -hmm. adventures, a lot, a lot, a lot of solo adventures. Yeah, a ton. It seemed pretty interesting. I'm glad that Mary like, told us about this. Just kind of look at it and see. But yeah, also, I mean, the name. Tunnels and Trolls. Like Beats that out of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> right, I know. There is a link to the full press release in the show notes if you mm -hmm. guys want to check that out. Uh, I can't wait to... for Castles and Chimeras. Our castles and... Oh, wait, that's Pugmire. Castles we, and we hop over to uh, some Dragonlands. Keeps and Kenders, right? Yeah, there, yeah, there we go. I do like that you equated the Kender to being vicious monsters. Yes. It, it's, it's a lighthearted campaign where you have to watch your wallet. <laughs> and the silverware. Yep. I'll be playing Bedelia Bagshot. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Jumping over to Hunter's Entertainment. Hunter's Entertainment has announced a new title in the Powered by Kids on Bikes series. Kids in Capes. I know this game in title only of uh, have either of you heard of uh, powered by kids on bikes? No, nope, uh, I don't think so. Only only after this. <laughs> right. Kids and Capes is being created live on Twitch by creators Doug Lewandowski and Jonathan Gilmore. Uh, they started this process back on July 16th on Twitch and will continue for six weeks from that date. Like I said, it's streaming on Twitch. And the idea is, is they're able to have fans actually contribute to the creation of the game which I thought was really kind of a cool idea. What do you guys think? That's really neat. Yeah. So yeah, uh, check very that cool. Out. If you're interested in kind of contributing to a, the creation of this RPG, uh, make sure you head over to Hunter's Entertainment Twitch uh, channel. Guys, that's it. I don't have anything else. And I looked, I looked hard this morning and yesterday and, and well, no, yeah. it's definitely, uh, I don't know. A little bit of a slow time just for a standpoint i think the back to school thing we do have kind of what we know is coming for this year we are getting somewhat closer to the virtual play august 13th through the 15th so we will see uh what should we call it the misadventure league stuff starting to drop 
not too long. So I'm curious about that uh, and if we'll get anything else with that, any kind of announcement or if it'll just be that. My, I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with um, how Watsi is going to handle COVID 2021, so to speak. Obviously, the Delta variant is ramping up. We're seeing infection rates, you know, like Zach said, doubled on Saturday. I'm curious to see how that's going to be handled. Like before, they were giving us you know, free adventures often and helping people stay at home. And we saw, you know, virtual tabletop, although it was already popular, really, really grow. Uh, people like us, you know, our group, we played a little bit over Discord. And, and so I'm curious to see how the how what kind of effect that's going to have on the world going forward. I wonder if because Watsi was pretty hardcore about shutting down in-store play with Magic. I know it's been opened back up and some stores have been running it. Uh, I'm curious to see if they're going to shut it back down, if it if it gets any worse. I haven't seen what Washington State's like, so I'm not sure how things look over in Renton right now in Watsi's home world. But if it's anything like us in Wyoming, it's going to get bad and it's going to get bad quick, especially with Sturgis going on and everybody, it's going to start getting cold. So we're going to see, ooh, I said Sturgis and that was a hell of a look there, Zach. <laughs> If yeah. if you have not lived in a place around Sturgis when the rally is going on, you won't understand. That's a very you have statement. Just one of those things. Like it's not it's not that because it's so like vicious or insane. It's just you just got to be around here. Lots yep. and lots and lots and lots and lots of bodies everywhere. Yes. I remember the first time I really experienced what Sturgis was like. Um, my buddy Harold had gotten married uh, in the Black Hills right around the time of the rally. And I was living in Kansas at the time. And I knew about Sturgis. And my brother Dom and I drove up to the Black Hills to, to attend the wedding. And my car had no air conditioning. So we we're driving with the windows down. And that was a mistake. Once you hit rapid, it was a mistake. Because they were right between the turnoff to their place was right between Rapid and Sturgis. You couldn't talk because all you heard was of all these motorcycles. And it's like, well, we're not going to say a word for the next couple of hours. Yeah, I work in a small town library that is a ways away from the interstate. And for the week before and after the rally, the sound of motorcycle engines is omnipresent. Yep. People coming through the town, you can hear them from the interstate. It is insane. It's the craziest thing. As a volunteer firefighter, this is a crappy time for us, especially as Sturgis comes to an end and people start going home. They're worn out. They're tired. They're driving their motorcycle or they're riding their motorcycles home. And inevitably, we get called to a wreck on the interstate with somebody who mm -hmm. probably fell asleep on their motorcycle. And I tell you what, I don't care how much gear you're wearing or what kind of helmet you're wearing. Going headfirst into a guardrail with your helmet on is not going to save your life. No. If so, you're thinking about going to Sturgis, just take two days off after yeah. you're done at the rally and rest. Or in this case, take a week off to see if you develop any symptoms. Also in this case, yeah, quarantine yourself for a week. Yeah. And when that's something we're dealing with at work, we have some people who are going to Sturgis who are not vaccinated and they will not be allowed to work for two weeks. Good. So honestly, I don't think Wizards of the Coast is going to do anything. I I think because they will. I, 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 I guess I'm feeling a little more cynical, but I feel like I mean, when you have nurses who are looking at things and are just saying, like, let them die, like we've already done this for a year, like we don't care. If you're vaccinated, like, 
we don't care if you're unvaccinated anymore because it's not our problem if you die anymore. Like if the nurses, the people that have to see this happen are so numb to this that they don't care anymore. I don't think Wizards of the Coast is going to be like, we got to try and keep people home anymore, even if it cuts into our profits. You know, Zach, I, I I would want to agree with you, but in the industry that I work in, I have seen way too many nurses who went through an outbreak in their facility, watch the people they care for die and still refuse to be vaccinated, still refuse to do anything and are going to fucking Sturgis. Yeah. Refuse to do anything to protect themselves or the people that they care about. Um, so I, I trust me, I have tons and tons of respect for nurses but sometimes i just shake my fucking head at that there i go again i do think when it comes to wizards of the coast i think they're going to be a little bit more i think they're going to be aware i mean they had record-breaking digital sales so yeah why not say fuck it shut it back down they'll go back to playing arena we can sell them virtual stuff it'll be fine they're going to keep buying because now they have no choice yeah at the end of the day, Wizards doesn't care about the stores, right? They care about their own pockets. And if they're making money selling it digitally and not having to print actual products and send it to the stores, then why not? I mean, they've been trying to do that to Magic for a while now, right? Then it's getting bigger. Arena is huge. So, you know, guys, I, I have to apologize to both of you and to our listeners, because listeners, apparently I am very cynical today. And I didn't mean to be. I did not wake up this way. I thought I was in a better mood, but apparently I am not. So everybody who's listening, if you hung on till the end, I do apologize for being a cynical prick today. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and it's a really weird time and it's okay to have opinions about it. Fair enough. Uh, on that note, I don't have anything else unless either of you do. I'm trying to think. Uh, we get to start a new story today for D&D. Hopefully uh, we do. is going to be interesting. Um, I am not DMing. Yeah. Just want to throw that out there. And because of this, I'm like, new character must have new dice. So I went to Halen's yesterday and bought myself a new set of dice that I'm very excited to try. I haven't messed with them at all. They're called test tube or lab dice, I think is what they're called. Yeah, <laughs> no one's like test tube. What? They come in a test tube and I'm really, they're bright orange and I'm excited to play my bard Barian today. He's starting out as a level one. I think he's a level one bard. I don't remember what I put him at. Should I start as bard? Get or more skills if you start as bard. I don't remember. I need to go to D&D &D Beyond and look. Did we ever get a link for the campaign, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. I should. Yeah, I should have I sent think one. Shree's I think... got a character in there, and I think Dom has a character in there. Apparently, I didn't. I did start as a that... bard. I'm starting okay. as a bard because my thought was is that through probably dealing with Doxy, he is going to find his rage. I was going to a bard or a barbarian. I've been excited about the Mist Hunters um, stuff coming out, and they did kind of give you a uh, the first three adventures, I guess, have come out for uh, like virtual play. They haven't been released, but it's kind of neat seeing how they lay this one out. So uh, the episode one is called The Grand Masquerade. You're approached by Alnick Ray, a master investigator working on behalf of a secret society, seeking agents to aid in the search of a missing scholar. He asks that you attend the Grand Masquerade, a great ball in the city of Port Alassine. Hope you brought your dancing shoes. Content warning. Possession. Insomnia. Oppressive. Aristocracy. Aristocracy. Sorry. Uh, forced impersonations. Anxiety of living a lie and abduction. So each one seems to have its own thing. The second one. Content warning. Murder. Death by suffocation and poisoning. Fire. Gore and mutilation. Performance anxiety. Forced into a role. Manipulation slash uh, parentheses gaslighting. Drug use and alcohol. 
Uh, and then the third one, violent depotism, um, execution by impaling, trauma of war, involuntary servitude, child soldiers, children in peril, grotesque body modification, gore, and violence. So the, really each campaign has its own variation of horror as you go through this story. Mm -hmm. I'm, I don't know. The more I read it, the more I get excited about it. I know it's only like, I think it's like first through eighth level, but it looks it looks wild. I keep trying to think of a character that would be a part of a Miss Hunter secret society and just willingly like, yep, well, this is a bad idea. Let's go. <laughs> so, Did you that, look at our character breakdown? Monk, monk, barbarian, I'm aware. Bard, barbarian, eventually, and then human cleric. Yo, I, uh, I am the odd man out, Nolan. <laughs> yeah. I was like, huh. When I was telling Zach, I was like, well, I've got this really neat idea for a Battlemaster monk. And then I was like, I'm going to play a monk. I'm going to play a monk. And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's just keep this going. <laughs> barbarian, barbarian. Okay, so can I play a barbarian monk? Yes. And let's combine them all. So yeah, it should be fun. We will be very melee friendly. Yeah, I am. Because I'm still. You're going to have to, uh, I don't know. He'll be entertaining when barbarians like do you grapple each other to grapple the monster like are you guys going to be like a tag team like working on suplexes like i just i'm, I'm just curious Fuck yeah we are <laughs> uh, how are we going to do this oh doxy off the top rope yes please <laughs> so i don't know it's going to be it'll be entertaining to say the least so i apologize for what's about guy. to happen throw me dose me so anyway yeah so we get to start a new campaign should be fun hopefully uh we'll have some ridiculous Trigic. stories to share in the future so okay i do see you in here uh yep i just threw it in there and then so, anyway, that that's that's it sorry for not a lot of news and the crazy rants hopefully everybody's staying safe um we'll try and dig up some more fun stuff uh for next week and uh yeah yeah uh, and if i offended anybody this week well i apologize so we will see you all next time thanks everybody <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. Good afternoon, everyone.